Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Story on the eve of the NBA Finals, LeBron James in his $21 million mansion in L.A. was vandalized with a racial slur on it. LeBron James talked about it. Now, well, let's go ahead and play the audio. Let's go ahead and play it. Here is LeBron James discussing that. It just goes to show that um, that racism uh, will always be a, a part of the world, a part of America. And, um, you know, hate, you know, in America, especially for African-American, is, uh, is living every day. No matter how famous you are, no matter how many people admire you, you know, being, being black in America is, is tough. And we got a long way to go, you know, for, for us as a society and for us as African-Americans until we, until we feel equal in America. All right, LeBron James also compared the racial slur on the gate outside of his home to the situation in Mississippi with Emmett Till. Do we have that audio too? Um, If we have that audio, I'll play it for you. Otherwise, you can just take my word for it. It was a part of his his soliloquy in responding to this. So several things I want to dive into. I'm going to open up the phone lines let you guys react to this as well. But first, listen to what I have to say. But here's the phone if you want to go ahead and hop in. 877-996-6369. First of all, this has taken over the American media, the American sports media. It is everywhere. And everybody is saying, I think justifiably, like, this sucks. You need to prosecute whoever did this to the fullest extent of the law under California law. Whatever you can charge somebody with who did this, then do it. But I want to tap the brakes here for a moment. First of all, we don't know who did this, okay? I understand that it's easy to immediately assume, oh, this is a a heinous racial act. 
in this modern media environment where things go viral before we even know what exactly happened, let me just say that I am skeptical as to the motivations behind this decision. Okay? It seems very strange to me that in L.A., which I think is probably the least racist city in America, I've lived all over the country, visited all over the country, I think that L.A. and San Francisco, and probably San Diego, are the three least racist cities in America where there are professional sports franchises. That's my opinion. I could be wrong on that, but that's my opinion. West Coast is the least racist part of the country by far. I think the East Coast is actually the most racist, but that's another discussion. Okay, so it doesn't mean that somebody can't be racist. But this seems like a very strange thing to do. On the eve of the finals, when you know it's going to get the most possible attention, we have seen so many allegations of fake racism in the wake of Donald Trump's election where left-wingers decide, you know what, I'm going to make the world look like I think the world looks like. I'm going to shine a bright light on racism. I'm going to be a social justice warrior. And they take the next step and they do something and they end up being the culprit. So my thought as soon as I saw this story was, this sucks. And number two was, find out who did it. Number three was, it should be relatively easy to figure out who did this, right? It shouldn't be that complicated. In my experience, if you have a $21 million mansion, you probably have a pretty good surveillance system that surrounds that $21 million mansion. And if you don't have a great surveillance system, if you're in a neighborhood where a $21 million mansion exists, then lots of other people in your neighborhood probably have pretty good surveillance systems. So I would think that the L.A. Police Department investigating this incident would have a really good chance of finding out exactly who did it and bringing the perpetrator to justice, charging them with whatever crimes are appropriate to the fullest extent of the law. Having said that, I'm skeptical because this seems like something designed to go viral in the 21st century. The day before the NBA Finals start, I don't think that timing would be considered coincidental. And it makes LeBron James a victim. Do we have the full audio of what LeBron James said, guys? Yeah, I want to play the full audio, though, at some point. So let's go ahead and grab that, and we'll play it at some point in in the show. But what I thought was instructive about it was several things. I mean, and I'm pulling a couple of these quotes out. First of all, LeBron James compared somebody writing a racial slur, spray-painting a racial slur on one of his multi-million dollar mansions to Emmett Till. If you're not familiar with Emmett Till, he was killed by a racist mob in 1955 after interacting with a white girl in Mississippi. And his mom left the casket open so that people could see what happened there. It was 62 years ago. Happened in 1955. Nothing in LeBron James's situation is remotely the same to the Emmett Till situation. Emmett Till's situation The perpetrators weren't brought to justice. They thought they could flagrantly do wrong in a Mississippi of that age. Everyone publicly has come to LeBron James's defense here. And what I wish LeBron James had said is, and this is, look, I'm not an expert on race relations. I'm not an expert on lots of things. 
But I am pretty good, I think, at communicating. It's why I have a show. It's why my website's been successful. It's why I'm pretty good on television. LeBron James did what I think is all too common today. He was comfortable embracing the role of a victim. He said being black in America is tough. No matter how much money you have. I don't buy that. Straight up. We've talked on this show before. I think 99.9% of you listening to this show right now have a tougher life than LeBron James does. The guy is loaded with money. He's loaded with talent. He seems to be a good dad. He seems to have a pretty good life. I think regardless of what race, religion, creed, whatever you are, I think 99.99% of you would change space place with LeBron James right now. So I don't buy into that at all. But more importantly, I think LeBron James had an opportunity here to be more eloquent than he was. And that's why I want to play the full audio. Because what LeBron James is doing is he's playing into this idea of he's a victim. That's my personal opinion. I think LeBron James is playing the I'm a victim card. I want you to feel sorry for me. Here's what I think LeBron James should have said. If I were advising him, I would have said, LeBron, this is a real opportunity for you to sit down and say this. I'm not going to allow what some idiot did to my home to define me or make me a victim. The truth of the matter is of, of, of the matter is this. Things in America are not perfect. No matter what color you are, there are challenges that you are going to face. But in this modern era, what we have to do is control what we can control. And when someone chooses to act in that fashion and denigrate me, I'm choosing not to allow them to do it. I'm not going to play the role of a victim and then follow it up and say, it's hard to be me, it's impossible, and all these other things. Instead, I'm going to point out that there are people all over the country of all different colors, of all different races and creeds who face challenges. And every single day when you get up, you can allow the people who challenge you and don't want you to succeed to win. And you can use that as an excuse. But what sports has taught me is that excuses are for losers. I am not going to make excuses for other people's failures and allow them to define me and allow them to own me in any way and allow me to be a victim. I'm not a victim here. The person who did this should be prosecuted and they should go to jail. But personally, I am not a victim here because I am going to rise above the stupidity that was evidenced by what happened to my home and I am going to triumph. Sports teaches me that looking at what other people do and focusing on what they're trying to do to me is not going to lead to me being successful. My entire career as an athlete has been predicated on people who are trying to hold me down not being able to do that. And all over this country today, I think that there are a lot of challenges for people. But the message that I want to send is that if you are better, if you work as hard as you possibly can, you will succeed no matter what your detractors want and no matter what your race, religion, or creed is in this country today. That would have been the message that I would have wanted to send if I was LeBron James. Instead, I think you got predictable, trite trope. ESPN's going to spend all day today talking about what a victim LeBron James is. Your typical liberal sports media are going to come out and be like, oh, racism is awful, racism is horrible, all before we even know who did this. If it turns out that it was not a white person, 
Because that's the that's what everybody's assuming right now, right? Everybody's assuming that a white person is the person who vandalized LeBron James's home. If it turns out that it wasn't a white person, this story's going to disappear. Nobody's going to sit around and discuss it at all. If it's a white person, then it's going to be a huge story. If it's not a white person, people are going to say, oh, well, that person was just crazy. No big deal here. Let's move on to the games. I just, I, again, I, I tap the brakes here because this something about this story seems fishy to me. On the Wednesday before the NBA Finals start, on one of LeBron James's random multi-million dollar mansions in the city that I think is probably one of the least racist in America, somebody randomly decides to suddenly spray a racial slur on his gate. I don't think it would make sense, even if LeBron was playing against the Lakers or the Clippers. But why does somebody in L.A. care? And if you're a fan, like, what's the motivation here? LeBron hasn't just bought this home. It's been there for a long time. Why did he suddenly have this happen to him? It just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It seems like something that was designed to go viral. So I want to know who this person is. I want to know why this person did it. I want them to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I want the LA police department to uncover the perpetrator before I spend a ton of time buying into the narrative of what was said here. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We are reacting to LeBron James, the uh, racist graffiti that was allegedly uh, sprayed on his home um, outside of his house in L.A. in his Brentwood area, $21 million mansion. And I said I wanted to play the full audio of his response during his press availability yesterday, and we now have that, and we will play it for you now. I'm going to go to your calls. I'm also going to react to this, but I like to play full answers in context instead of pulling out sentences because I think it gives you a better sense of what was actually said and what was attempted to be said. Here is LeBron James reacting to that situation yesterday. I mean, as I sit here on the eve of, um, excuse me, on the eve of, one of the greatest uh, sporting events that we have in sports. Um, you know, race and what's going on comes again. And um, and on my behalf and my family's behalf. But, I mean, I look at it as this. I mean, if it's, if it's to shed a light and uh, continue to keep the conversation going on my behalf, then, then I'm okay with it. Um, you know, my family is safe. Um, at the end of the day, they're safe, and that's the most important. But it just goes to show that um, that racism uh, will always be a, a part of the world, a part of America. And, um, you know, hate, um, you know, in America, especially for African-American, um, is, uh, is living every day. And even though that you know, that it's concealed most of the time. Even though people hide their faces and will say things um, about you, and when they see you, they smile on your face. Um, it's alive every single day. And, um, and I think back to Emmett Till's mom, actually. It's kind of one of the first things I thought of. And, and the reason that she had an open casket is because she wanted to show the world um, what her son went through as far as a hate crime and you know, being black in America. Um, 
So it's like it doesn't, no matter how much money you have, um, no matter how famous you are, no matter how many people admire you, um, you know, being, being black in America is, is tough. And, uh, and we got a long way to go, um, you know, for, for us as a society and for us as African Americans until we, until we feel equal. Um, in America, and um, you know, but my family is safe, and um, you know that's what's that's what's important. All right, that's LeBron fully in context. Now I'm going to deconstruct this, and then I'll allow you guys to respond. You can tell me whether you agree, whether you disagree, whether you think I'm an idiot, whether you think I'm a racist, whether you hope that I die tomorrow uh, or today, even. All right, here's the deal. The first thing that LeBron James thought when he found out about this was he thought about Emmett Till's mom. That is a remarkable analogy to draw. For those of you who didn't spend your time and most of your life studying history, I did, okay? Emmett Till was lynched in Mississippi in 1955, and his mom demanded that there be an open casket so that everyone could see what had happened. That was 62 years ago in Mississippi. LeBron James' situation is nothing like this. Absolutely nothing like this at all. The fact that he would think that he is similar in any way to Emmett Till is, to me, insane. Let me explain why. First of all, it was 62 years ago, and Emmett Till was murdered. Kind of a big deal. His mom left the casket open so that everyone could see what happened to him. LeBron James immediately painted over the word outside of his mansion on the gates. That is, he didn't leave it up. So he's not even doing to that with that word what Emmett Till's mom did with her son in the casket. Do you understand the analogy there? If LeBron James immediately thinks to himself, oh, this is like Emmett Till, at an absolute minimum, wouldn't you leave the racial slur up on the front gate of your home so that other people could see it? Because that would be the equivalent of having an open casket. He didn't even do that. Secondly, he is analogizing the murder of a young teenage boy for doing nothing wrong 62 years ago in America, which was covered up and complicitly covered up by local authorities who did not respect black lives in any way with a racial slur on his mansion of his $21 million house that we don't even know who is responsible for it yet. Again, I find this entire story very odd. Doesn't mean that there's not some crazy-ass white dude in Brentwood walking around with spray paint, dropping in bombs on people's front gates. But I just think that's really weird if it's happening. And if it is happening, there should be videotape of it so we can catch the person who did it and bring them to justice to the fullest extent of the law. Whatever you can charge them with, they should be charged with. But am I the only person who finds it unbelievable that LeBron James thinks that he is basically living in Emmett Till's America? And this is not just LeBron James. Oprah Winfrey the other day came out and said, we have Emmett Till's every day in this country. No, Oprah, we don't. Suggesting that is emblematic of what has become the standardization in this this country of a victimized culture. Somewhere along the way, if you study history again, I would encourage you to go read Taylor Branch's magisterial history of the civil rights movement in America. First one's called Parting the Waters, one of the most important books to ever be written as a series in the history of America. 
he did a luminescent job telling that story. If you read the story of the civil rights movement, those activists did not see themselves as victims. They were damn warriors. And their goal was something that I tell you on this show pretty regularly every day. Their goal was to be better than the people who were assaulting them with dogs and guns and fire hoses and billy clubs. Their goal in the civil rights protest was to be better than their oppressors. How often in America today do you hear somebody say when they're confronted with somebody being worse than them, I'm going to be better than you? LeBron James had an opportunity there to really, I think, send a message, not just to black people. He focused on black people. He said, uh, being black in America is tough. Hate, especially for black people, is living every day. No No matter how much money you have along that whole line. I don't think, frankly, that the rest of America agrees with LeBron James there. I think no matter what race, religion, or creed you are right now driving into work, you probably have a tougher life than LeBron James does. The fact that LeBron James immediately thinks of himself in a victim category the same level as Emmett Till is, to me, evidence of the degree to which the victimization culture in this country has taken root. Why does that matter? I believe if you believe that you are a victim, you will be a victim. Now, some people don't like to hear that. But I believe in your mind, if you believe the world is allied against me, it's impossible for me to succeed. These obstacles are based on my skin color. These obstacles are based on my sex. These obstacles are based on my religion. All of these things, if you believe them, they believe they become true. The brain is incredibly powerful. The civil rights movement was founded on this tenet, be better. So what you hear over and over and over again If you read the speeches of Martin Luther King, if you read the comments of all these people in Taylor Branch's luminescent study of the civil rights movement, America as a country, if I had to embrace our credo in two words, it would be, be better. That also connects in sports, right? That's why sports is a perfect embodiment in many respects of American culture. What do we try to do every day in this country? Be better. Try to invent a better company. Try to beat the team that you can't beat. Capitalism's founding credo, the most important aspect of this entire country, is our embrace of capitalism. Our embrace of the individual spirit that can lead to tremendous success. What is the underlying message of capitalism if you had to distill it in two words? Be better. Businesses that are better are rewarded. Teams that are better are rewarded. Individuals that are better are rewarded. You, every day when you get up, have an opportunity to decide to be better. LeBron James had a chance. I'm sending that message right now. LeBron James had a chance to send that message. Instead, in my mind, he tried to equate himself with Emmett Till, a teenager in Mississippi who was brutally murdered and put himself in the same category because somebody who we don't even know who they are, wrote a racial slur on his $21 million mansion. I don't know about you, but I see a big gap between those two things. And again, I think this timing, let's wait and actually see who's responsible for this. In this day and age, 
There are many people who know what happens when stories go viral. And creating a racial incident is one of the fastest ways to have something go viral, particularly if there is a black victim and the expectation is that there is a white culprit. That's the number one story in America today. Only racial stories that occur in America today. We don't hear about black on black crime. We don't hear about white on white crime. We don't hear about Hispanic on Hispanic crime. We don't hear about Asian on Asian crime. If an Asian cop shoots an Asian person, nobody ever hears about it. If a Hispanic cop shoots a Hispanic person, nobody ever hears about it. Black guy gets shot by a white guy. It's on front page news everywhere. It's the truth. Black guy shoots a black guy. Everybody stops paying attention. White cop shoots a black person. Number one story in America, even though it doesn't happen that often. So when I see stories like this that fit that template, and by the way, everybody out there in sports media just assuming that a white person's to blame here, I want to see the video. I want to know who this person is, and I want him to be prosecuted. But I think LeBron James swung and missed in a big way when he compared himself to Emmett Till. I think that when he said black people don't feel equal in this country, I think there are a lot of people out there that say, I don't feel equal in this country. Don't have to be black. A lot of Hispanic people, Asian people, white people don't feel equal in this country. Donald Trump got elected because a lot of white people in this country don't feel equal. LeBron James wants to feel equal. I think there's a lot of white people that say, wait a minute. Got black people getting into college with lower test scores. Got people getting jobs they may not necessarily deserve. Affirmative action in this country is about not treating people equally. Black people get a leg up because of their color. If anything... This country now, it has in the past, but right now it's not oppressing black people. It's treating them more fairly than it is everybody else. That's the entire precept behind affirmative action. LeBron James bought into this idea that he's a victim and that his life is hard. And he equated, I can't believe, I'm going to be the only person probably talking about this all day. LeBron James equated somebody putting a racial slur on the gate outside of his $20 million, $21 million mansion which is probably worth $30 million now, which isn't even his primary residence. That's how discriminated against LeBron James is in this country today. The guy has a $21 million mansion that isn't even his primary residence. And he equated that to Emmett Till being lynched in 1955 in Mississippi. And he tried to say, it's just like leaving the casket open. But he didn't even leave the racial slur up on the gate. He immediately painted it over. So he didn't even do that on the very minimal level. If he wanted to make that analogy, then all he had to do was not paint over the racial slur on the gate of the home that he doesn't even live in that's worth $21 million. And he couldn't even do that, but he could certainly make the analogy that basically the first thing he thought of, that's what he said, first thing he thought of was Emmett Till getting lynched. LeBron James, nearly a billionaire, living in multiple $20 million mansions plus. We don't even know who did this. This could have been a crazy black dude, as easy as it could have been a crazy white dude who wrote a racial slur on his gate. And the first thing LeBron James thinks is, this is like Emmett Till. My God. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Let's go to Esquire in California. What's up there, young fella? How you going this morning? I'm excellent. How are you? Well, as well as can be expected. Um, 
I grew up in the South, in the middle of the still right there. I was one of the kids that you see on some of those documentaries. It was just myself and another black girl who went to the other school and went through all that stuff. Um, I'm, I agree with one of the, with some of the things you say. Myself, I have a problem with that word, not so much for white people, because that is the lowest pejorative that was come up with to describe black people, to put them down and insult them. My problem is when black people use it, and they put it on all these records, and they use it every day, and it's not allegedly a heinous word anymore. That's why everybody is using it. They have taken the hurt away from it. Oh, I'm saying N-I-G-G-A. Not, no, you aren't. It's the same thing. You're just too stupid to learn how to pronounce your words in school. If you say K-I-L-L-A, it's the same thing as K-I-L-L-E-R. Okay? So don't think it's such a bad thing because you are the one who is now putting it out there and advertising it for everyone to use. Well, first of all, thanks for the call, and thanks for what you did during the Civil Rights Movement. So I'm curious, like, obviously, I read about the Civil Rights Movement. It happened long after I was born. I was born in in 1979. Uh, When you see LeBron James equating what happened to him with a racial slur on his $21 million mansion, Gates, with what happened to Emmett Till in 1955 in Mississippi, what does that do to you? What do you think of that analogy? He's gone. We dropped him. Yeah, he dropped. Tell him to call back in. 877-996-6369. I want to get that. I, I want to get him back up because I would like to hear that. I mean, this guy was involved in the civil rights movement. Really fascinating angle. And I want to hear what he thinks because he was actually there in the trenches. He'll say, oh, you don't know. You weren't in the civil rights. It's right. You're right. I wasn't born until almost 1980. My America, having been born in 1980, is fundamentally different than the America that a guy who would have lived during the civil rights era would have experienced. But that also means that the trajectory of life that he has lived through and seen is a lot different than mine too. So he's got the historical relevance to contextualize LeBron James comparing himself in some way to Emmett Till. So Esquire, I want to hear from you again. You're in California, 877-996-6369. Let's go to John in Denver. John, what's up? Hey, Clay. Big fan of the show. Um, Honestly, my point seems so trivial after you bring up Emmett Till, and I wish LeBron would have thought the same thing because the uh, the comparison is completely bogus. Um, and look, you know, even uh, if LeBron James wanted to make the analogy, it's not a good one, I don't think. But if you want to make that no. analogy, don't you have to leave the racial slur up on your gate so that other people can drive by and see it? Because that's the equivalent uh, of having an open casket, and he immediately painted over it. I get your point, and I completely agree, but even that would, I think, make more of It would of an still be a trivial, trivialization. A yes, it would still be a trivialization of the situation, but I think it's emblematic that LeBron James himself said the first thing he thought when there was a racial slur on his $21 million Los Angeles second, third, or fourth home was, this reminds me of what happened to Emmett Till in Mississippi in 1955. LeBron sees himself as a victim, and he sees himself as a victim compared to one of the worst acts of racial violence in the history of the country. And I think that's problematic, and I'll probably be the only person who will play that clip for you and talk about it all day today. All day today, you're going to hear, oh, racism is bad. Oh, LeBron James, woe is him, poor guy. And the reality is, when you actually listen to his comments in context, they weren't very good. Joe in San Francisco. Joe, what's up? 
Travis, I don't know what you've been drinking, man. This is, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it is what it is, bro. It's like, you know, I was born in the 50s. So um, the thing about what he said, you know, that's true. And you think like that LeBron said, James, you think it's similar, what happened to LeBron James and having a racial slur on his gate is similar to what happened to Emmett Till? Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's not the exact same thing, but racism exists in this country. And whether he was black, white, or whoever the, whoever the ones that did it, see, this country has a, a racial spirit in here. People being, are infected by the, by the narrative that's been spread around about us so much. And as far as capitalism representing uh, um, um, individuality and people going above things, capitalism can also represent separation, division. Uh, um, um, it could be a twin with racism. Okay, so, so what, what system would you prefer that America has? You don't like capitalism? You're anti-capitalism? No, I'm not saying I'm anti-capitalism. You know, because the reason why LeBron James has a $21 million mansion that somebody can deface the gate of that he doesn't even live in, that's his third or fourth home, is because of capitalism. Because he's the best in the world at what he does, and he's compensated ably for it, which, frankly, probably wasn't that similar to the opportunities that Emmett Till had in 1955. Just going to throw that out there. Well, well, LeBron James earned everything he got, and he didn't start out with no silver spoon in his mouth. As a matter of fact, he was so broke, him and his mom were so broke, they moved 10 times in a two-year period when he was 10 years old. Okay, but doesn't that speak speak to the opportunity that America offers? Well, he he made the best of the opportunity because he had the ability that nobody else had. He made the best of an opportunity because of capitalism. If LeBron James had been born in Sudan, he wouldn't have become a multimillionaire basketball player. Well, Sudan right? is affected by capitalism too, because this country goes over there and, and um, they they rig the system with, with 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 their foreign policy and stuff, and they divide and conquer people. So you think that America? So what, what what's your solution here? Where would you rather live? Well, I'm, I'm American. Yeah, yeah. I'm so American. I'm saying, what's your solution? You're calling in. You're saying like, oh, this is a this is a rigged system. Like we're all screwed, basically. Like, where what what's your solution? Well, the solution is people ought to wake up and and um and they have to cleanse their spirit because there's a spirit of racism. There's a spirit of greed in this country, and I think you're blind, bro. You think, think I'm blind? blind. You think I'm blind because yeah, I'm blind, or you think I'm just blind? No, I, I mean I don't know what it is. Maybe you know. Aren't you from Tennessee somewhere? Nashville, yeah, yeah. You know, um, so you think Tennesseans I, you know, are more prone to be more prone to be blind than people from other parts of the country? Well, you know, the the, the system, the, hey, the system's prevalent down there, bro. And like, you know, they they hold on to those old ways. So, so you know, maybe you know, I don't know, maybe you've been, um, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what you've been taught over there. But I'm from Ohio, like LeBron. All right. Okay. That's so, so let me thing. let me just. I mean, since you want to judge me, and and thanks. Uh, let me keep keep them on the line here. Since you want to judge me, because I mean that's what you're doing. You're judging me based on where I'm from, right? Which is a form of judging somebody you don't no, know. I'm, I'm just, but I went to just so you know, uh, I went to a school named after Martin Luther King in downtown Nashville. Uh, Nashville's got a pretty good population of minorities. Um, I think it's got a pretty good history in the last my life, right? I mean, I can't speak to what happened before I was here, but from about 1980 to about 2017. Uh, Nashville's got a pretty good racial history. I think probably, if you ask people who are of all races and creeds and backgrounds, they would say Nashville's probably a pretty good place to live um, and that we've done a really good job of trying to treat people equally in this city. Now, 
I understand that if you're from another part of the country, you're like, oh, you live in the South. It's racist. Oh, you you live in Georgia. Atlanta's a racist city. Oh, you live in New Orleans. I don't know. I tend to think that the East Coast of this country, having lived there, is the most racist part of the country. That's my opinion. I think the West Coast is the least racist. I think that the South is actually the second least racist. Now, you can disagree with that, but... I, I don't really understand. So you think you think that I'm just you think it's because I'm white. You think it's white because I'm white and from Tennessee. Like what reason am I blind? Well, because you know you seem to have everything backwards as far as L.A. and and San Francisco. I live in San Francisco. San Francisco is a racist town. Just because they don't call you a name, you know what I mean? They just dress it up different, bro. I live in L.A. and, and San Francisco. Those towns are bigoted, bro. What about Rodney King, man? On and on and on. Police brutality. It just happens, bro. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that, um, you know, it could be a black person that did that. But there's black people that are racist towards black people. That's well, that's my point, though. That's my see. I think I think you just hit on something there that is actually important in this conversation, because I think in this country right now, we have a fixation on only white people being racist towards black people. And as a result, there are many white people who are never going to get involved in any kind of racial situation because you know what they think? All it's going to happen to me is something bad. Like I talk to people all the time who are in media and they're like, God forbid, the last thing I want to do when there's any racial issue is say, if you're a white person, anything other than racism is bad. Because if you get involved in a conversation, suddenly people listen to it and they decide, oh, you shouldn't have said that sentence or you shouldn't have said that. That was disrespectful. And I think, see, I'm a guy who just says blatantly exactly what I think, right? Whether you like it or dislike it, I tell you exactly what I think. And so I think the problem is you hit on something. I think the idea that we have in this country is that racism only exists white to black. And until it gets expanded into a larger conversation, every single person who's listening to this, regardless of your race or gender right now, you probably have somebody who when you go to Thanksgiving dinner with, you're like, man, grandpa is going to say something uncomfortable. My uncle is going to say something uncomfortable. And that's because racism is not a white black issue. It's a country, a countrywide issue and exists for Asian, Hispanic, white people, black people, and also within races. And I don't think that gets talked about enough. There's a lot of black people who are like, man, I, I don't trust this group of black people. There's a lot of white people who are like, man, I, I don't, I'm not poor white trash, right? Like socioeconomic division within race is real. And we are so lazy in the way that we talk about things that we end up, I think, with analogies being made like LeBron James, which is, oh, this first thing I thought of was Emmett Till. Well, um, you know, there is, a, uh, but see, that's where class comes in. Because this country is so predicated upon money that that um, that in itself affects the way um, you know people uh, relate to each other. You know what I mean? It's like you know. In other words, the humanity. This country is losing its soul and they, their humanity. Everything well, I, is money. I, and huh? Yeah, I what? appreciate the call. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. It looked like it was going to be an exciting game, too. Maybe there was going to be some catfish on the ice. Maybe Carrie Underwood was going to bring in $80,000. It was 1-1. I was sitting on my couch. I was excited. And then this happened. Rush with a shot save. Rebound score! It's Gensel again! On the rebound, and Jake Gensel gives Pittsburgh the lead. 2-1. I'll never teach a fake to sing. It's Gensel with his second. That is call uh, courtesy of the Penguins Radio Network. It got worse from there. The Preds lost 4-1 to go down 0-2. Hopefully we'll get some catfish coming back home. 
really need to make that series interesting. That's your Geico play of the day. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico 15 minutes ago. I told you I'd get to your calls. A lot of you have been waiting a while. Let's go to West Coast Mike. What's up, West Coast? What's up, man? I dislike the message that, like, I mean, I'm Latino, and I don't know how hard it is being black is, but all I know is no excuses. Like, where it matters, people don't like excuses. And in the Bay Area, like, there is hella pussy willows, and they're all over the place, and they all the time play the victim and make excuses. And I don't know. That goes for everybody, not just black people. Like, you can't play the victim. And uh, I think, dude, the one thing you always say, if you've been saying lately, is be better. And yep. then, like, you've got to be willing to not be lazy, and things will, things will work out eventually. And I just think, like, that that's the message LeBron's sending to kids because people look up to him. Uh-huh. Remember how you were asking people, would you sell your race? Like, when you yes. say it's hard to be a black man, like, what, what does a kid think about that, man? And then, and then the other thing I had to say, like, what would Draymond say about it? Like, if somebody did that to your Drake house, he'd be like, oh, well, that's, that's people in America. But I'm going to still be, like, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's a good call. I mean, look, my argument on this would be, we, we talked about this last week, and thanks for the call and, and remembering it. Um, I said, there's a lot of talk about white privilege, black privilege, everything else. I said, look, I don't know what my white privilege is worth, but I will give up my race for a million dollars. I will be whatever race you want me to be. I'll be black Clay Travis. I'll be black. Uh, I'll be Latino Clay Travis. I'll be Asian Clay Travis. I'll be a mix. I'll be Tiger Woods on this bitch. I'll be a Cablin Asian. I'll be whatever race you want me to be for $1 million. That's how much my white privilege is worth. Probably less. Might do it for five hundred grand, Assuming that I don't have a long recovery process, everything else. If I could just flip my, like, if I could just snap my fingers and be a different race, I'd be very comfortable being the exact same person being a different race. I don't buy into the idea that there's a huge white privilege out there. I think that people, regardless of their race, every day have to wake up and make a decision, am I going to be better or not? And what's fascinating about LeBron is, in his own life in basketball, that's what he does, but then he plays what I think is the victim card in terms of the way the media treats him, in terms of everything else. And by the way, this is a strange little detail here. I said this this whole story seems odd to me. But according to NBC News, a source familiar with the incident told NBC News, NBC News the N-word had been spray-painted on the gate The slur was painted over by the time officers arrived, authorities said. It was not immediately clear when it was first spray-painted on the property. Why would you paint over it if you want an investigation to be done? I'm not an expert on police investigations, but the type of way that that is spray-painted is significant. Right? Like, you can go trace where the spray-paint might have been bought based on the type and color of the spray-paint. So if you're conducting a police investigation, why would your immediate response be, let's paint it and cover it up? Is there any actual evidence that this happened? I'm just, I don't know the question. I'm assuming they're reviewing surveillance video. But why would your initial reaction, if you're at a crime scene, be, oh, let's immediately cover it up? Especially if you're LeBron James and you're saying the first thing you think of is Emmett Till. Mom left the casket open. Wouldn't you want to not paint over that slur and allow authorities to arrive and conduct a full investigation to ensure that they caught whoever defaced your property? That'd be my first thought. I got a mansion too. If somebody did something awful to the front of my house, I would call the police 
and have them show up and conduct the investigation before I painted over it. Again, something about this story I just think seems a bit strange. I don't know who's responsible. Whoever is responsible should be prosecuted, but I think it seems a bit strange. Now, I'm betting there's surveillance cameras there because it's a $21 million house. They'll review those cameras, and hopefully they'll be able to catch the perpetrator. But before we jump all over the, oh, this is evidence of a systemic racism in America and how unfair the world is, shouldn't we figure out what the motivation of the guy who did this or girl or group of people who did this is? Seems strange. Uh, Bleacher uh, Bleacher Dave in Oakland. What's up, Bleacher? Man, what's wrong with you? I get that, you know, part of your job is be entertaining and provocative, and you're good at that because I've flipped through this station and I've stopped because I was like, what is this man talking about? And you just, you know, you just don't get it, and it's not your fault. It's just because you haven't had the experience of being black in America, so you can't relate and understand uh, to what that feels like. And to um, to say that to criticize to say that LeBron James needs to be better, so somebody doesn't come and deface his home where his wife and kids live. No, it's not his home. It's one of his four multi-million dollar mansions. Let's be clear. It's not his home in Akron where he primarily lives. This is one of his four multi-million dollar mansions. So that makes it okay. And you're right. Uh, first of all, we don't know what happened. We don't know the motivation behind the person that did this. Is your what would your opinion be, uh, Bleacher Dave? What's your opinion if this turns out to be a black dude who did this? So, so in your in your mind, you think it's it's a credible possibility that it's a black person? What do you think? It's ninety five percent likely that it's a black person. No, I, I don't make pre- no no. Hold on. I don't make preconceptions. I'm a lawyer, right? When you are a lawyer, you investigate a case, you figure out what happened, you get all the facts in order before you determine what those facts tell you. So far, everybody has assumed that it's a white dude, right? It's a hugely racist white dude who decided the best way to strike my racist uh, anvil on America is to, on the day before the NBA Finals, show up at one of LeBron James's mansions and spray paint a racial slur on his gate. That seems to me to be a strange decision, right? Guy who did that, who or girl who did that, probably got a screw loose. But I think it's equally likely that it's a uh, a white person, a black person, an Asian person, or a Hispanic person. I would make personally whatever the percentages are of the L.A. larger metropolitan area. I'd probably assess percentage blame that way, right? I don't know what is L.A. 10% black, so I'd say there's a 10% chance that a black person did it. I'd say there's a 45% chance that a white person did it. Whatever the racial breakdown is, I'm not immediately going to assume a white person did it because we've seen so many stories like these that have been debunked. No, I don't think we've seen so many. And so I'm not a lawyer, but I got plenty of good common sense. And I know that that's a slur that has historically been used by white folks to make black folks afraid and keep us you know, uh, feel less than. And so to think that, to say that uh, you believe it's that likelihood is equally distributed across the population, in other words, uh, it's not most likely, overwhelmingly likely that it's a white person uh, coming and demeaning LeBron James for, for whatever reason. And I think by definition, anybody who uses that, I would say is crazy. But then I would also just say that the history of America has been written and filled with crazy people. And so if you think, uh, you know, the history of Jim Crow, of segregation, 
flavory. You think that you think that LeBron's first thought? Hold on, you think LeBron's first thought on this? Somebody who spray painted a racial slur on my the the gate of my twenty one million dollar mansion that immediately made me think of Emmett Till. You think that makes sense? I think he was making a point, and so and I think this is a key point that you're missing. And so when somebody calls me that name, it connects me with that. Same, how often do you get called a racial? Difference. How often do you get called a racial slur in America today? Not very frequently. Not very Has it ever happened to you? Has it ever happened to you in your life? Definitely. Let me tell you a story. So I went to UCLA. I lived in Brentwood. Uh, me, me and three of my fraternities, four black guys, lived in an apartment in Brentwood. Three. I was stopped by the police every week for the first three weeks that I was lived there. Just pulled over by police. ID check. Third time. I was like, dude, you yourself have stopped me before, and I'm sick of being stopped in my neighborhood going to my apartment. You know, just quit it. You know, I'm tired of being profiled like this. And he said, you're a black man living in Brentwood, an overwhelmingly white neighborhood. You should expect to be stopped. As long as people, as long as that attitude exists in this country, that's a problem. And it, it, it shows that. Uh, we're under suspicion and we're treated less, less and differently. And so what we need. But have you ever been called a racial slur in America today in your life? Yes. When? Yes, to my face. Many, multiple times. No, by, by a white person? In different places throughout this country. By, by a, a white person? person? And by Hispanic people. By a white person, people, and by Hispanic people. And what right? did you do then? And so I, 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 I cussed them out. Uh, I got livid and enraged. On some occasions, I walked away on another occasion, and when I was a kid, I swung. So here, here's, here's what I think what we, need to, what we need to do, though. So this racism, this is not a problem for black people. We ain't did this. This is, this is something that white people need to solve. White people need to call out other white people when you're only around white people, when you hear uh, racial epithets, slurs. Are black people ever racist? That, uh, absolutely. So but do you call out, do you think different. black people call out other black people when they're racist? Sometimes. And I, uh, thanks for the call, by the way. we got to go to trending. My point on this is straightforward. We focus on white on black racism. I believe every race in the country is equally racist. That's evidently a revolutionary idea. I think no matter who you are in all 50 states as you're driving across the country today, I think number of black people, white people, Asian people, and Hispanic people who are racist is roughly equal across the races. My question for you to think about as you go into work today, you start your day across all 50 states, why does the media only focus on white on black racism? As a result, I think you are kicking a lot of white people out of the conversation about race, such that I will be the only white guy I bet in sports media who discusses this story in any way other than saying racism is bad. Most white people, I'll tell you right now, most white people, especially white people in media, the last thing they want to do is say something about race other than racism is bad. Only way you lose your job in America today, if you're a white person and you're in the media, is two ways. One, you suck at it. Not very good at your job. Two, you say something racist. That's it. So most white people, race talk, third rail. Not touching it. I think that leads to an artificial conversation about race in America. Go back and listen to this show. You don't have to agree with me. Don't have to agree with any of our callers. I think it's been a pretty honest discourse about this LeBron James incident. Probably more honest than any show in America you're going to get today. 
You might hate me for it, but it's definitely the truth. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. All right, we've got Esquire back from California. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, first of all, congratulations. You probably got a good show today. If you haven't, you need to go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, He called earlier today. And he was discussing this LeBron James fallout. And in particular, he was talking about his past history as a civil rights activist in... Uh, I want to hear your story, Esquire. You were a civil rights activist where and when? Well, I didn't I didn't consider myself an activist. I was a kid that was caught up in it. Uh, the so-called civil rights activists in our area, uh, they sent their children across town to the private schools. And they took the regular neighborhood kids and... I still remember my, my, my aunt was a teacher. She gave myself and my brother and my cousin IQ tests over that summer. So that next year, when they sent two black kids to the other school, myself and a girl named Deborah Gosa, I guess we scored high enough because they figured the teachers weren't going to give us a lot of attention. We, Where'd we you grow up? So, in a little town called Hueytown, Alabama. Hueytown, Alabama. Know? There's some famous University of Alabama football players from Hueytown, right? I can't remember who, but you uh, probably will. Couple of them, but uh, the, the the most famous people from Hueytown is probably Davy and Bobby and uh, uh, Davy Allison, Bobby Allison, Donnie Allison. I went to high school with with Davy Allison. Used to drive the number twenty eight. Oh yeah, car. NASCAR guys. Yeah. Yes, NASCAR. Uh huh. All right. And, so when uh, you when when you hear you called in earlier and 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 LeBron James comparing in some way his situation to Emmett Till, what was your reaction to that? <laughs> Um, well, you have two two sides of that. If you just put the fact of the racial hatred that he felt caused it, great. But that is in no way anywhere near a place you can even mention Emmett Till and what happened with a kid walking down the street that somebody said whistled at a lady or didn't get off the sidewalk and them taking him out and beating him to death because of that being said to someone painting something on your fence. That you took off before the police got there. Yeah, and no, you look, I'm, you're not I'm, even in Los Angeles. You're in Cleveland. Someone called you and say, "Hey, man, somebody painted your fence." Oh my God, go paint over it. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> uh, but the racism thing, there is more. The most, probably the most racism, the most racist person in the world. Whether regardless of what she's married to, there's a black woman who sees a black man with a white woman. That is the most racist <laughs> person you ever meet. <laughs> I mean, the look of them, they don't even have to be together. You could just, you, I could just be in the grocery store and happen to see a friend of mine, and I'm talking to this blonde-haired, blonde American girl, and we're just talking. And look at that piece of nothing garbage. But, you know, racism <laughs> will never go away because you like yourself. I like myself. I think I'm good. So I think people like me are probably good to a certain extent. So when you get groups of people, racist and oh, oh, you're misguided on thinking, well, there's no racism on the West Coast. It's different. Down south, you're from Nashville. I love Nashville. Um, but racism down south is different because you know who Billy Bobby is. You know he doesn't like you. You know why he doesn't like you. Yeah. And you really don't, don't get they have too much, you know, confrontation with each other there. You know, but in other places like here, Seattle, um, I'm a window cleaner. Uh, I'm in Seattle, and I'm going around. Uh, I was known as a window cleaner in the hat in the newspaper. People say, why do you wear, wear uh, those crazy hats? I said, I'm a six-foot, three-inch black man. I walk into this business. Off the top, there's a, what does he want? 
But if I go in with a cabinet hat, hat on, a jester hat, the initial thought is, wow, there's a guy with a crazy hat. And while they make that hesitation, the door is open and I can speak and they can understand and they'll deal with me. That's the way I get around racism. Yes, there are doors up, there, there's blockages, but there's re- ways you are to get around those blockages. Saying, I'm going to go straight up the street, my nigga, that doesn't get you in the door. Wearing your pants down your butt doesn't get you in the door. The lingua franca, speaking correct English, knowing how to present yourself, it doesn't matter what color you are. If you know how to present yourself, people will accept you as what you present. If you present something different, they're going to have a prejudice against you because he's something ain't right about this here. It's one of these doesn't belong here. But with LeBron, to me, and all these guys, all these multimillionaire brothers running around talking about racism. Well, I was driving my, my uh, uh, Lamborghini, and the police officer pulled me over. Well, if you would not try to leave where you're from, well, I'm going to be something different because if I stay in this black neighborhood, I'm going to be stigmatized. If you take your wealth, your knowledge, your experience, and work with your underprivileged neighborhood and talk to these kids and work with these people, maybe everyone, you can pick them up and carry them with you to another level and another understanding. But Appreciate the call. Appreciate <laughs> the call from Esquire. We got to go to a break here. By the way. Jameis Winston, my guy J-Mart, Hueytown High School. That's why I was thinking of it most recently. Jameis Winston from Hueytown, Alabama. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Yes, there is the august majestic sound. Tim Tebow, son of God, in his quest to climb to Major League Baseball, is now a single-A player for the Columbia Fireflies, and he performed last night. Did he perform ably? We'll go to... Jason Martin. I'm so excited. It's a good word you used, August. Against the Augusta Green Jackets, the Columbia Fireflies got right. Swept them all three games. Tim Tebow in those three games, eh, two for 12. Did have a hit last night. Had a hit the night before last, including an RBI. His average back on the 25th of May was 231. It was 236 just before that. Now it's down to 216, but he does have back-to-back games with hits. In his last 10, seven hits and 33 at-bats, just four RBIs, 12 strikeouts, and a 212 average. So still a lot of work to be done. They're headed to Hagerstown, Maryland to play three against Hagerstown. We'll see how that goes and catch up with Timothy Richard again then. An abbreviated Tebow watch. Also, no diving catches last night. I promise. That's your Tebow watch for Thursday, June 1st, 2017. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. 
Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.